So the reading is from right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good.
Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Why is it that in the space of just a few days, I could read on the BBC website uh, an article telling more about the continued murderous destruction of the Islamic State and another article about the remarkable creativity of people who are seeking to digitally reconstruct some of the cultural and historical artifacts that the Islamic State have destroyed? Why both? Or more at home, why is it that yesterday I spent time in our garden digging up weeds that with no effort at all had grown, and yet the flowers and vegetables that we're trying to grow are taking so much more work? Why is it that we have the ability with just a few words to really encourage and build up a friend? or even with a few words, to kill a friendship. What about the universe that we live in? Is it a world of blind, pitiless indifference? Or is it a world of visible, joyful purpose? Is it right to say, as in King Lear, as flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport? Or is God different to that? How do we relate to God? Is he like the pharaoh of Egypt, enslaving us, just making us work to do what he can't be bothered to do? Is he involved in the world, or is he distant from it? Is he happy with us? Is he angry with us? Is he indifferent to us? Well, those kind of questions are the reason we're going back to Genesis, uh, looking at Genesis 1 to 11. Why is the world as it is? Who is God? How do we relate to him? What has he created us for? We're not going to answer 
all those questions tonight. Uh, we're going to start, uh, as it is said, a very good place to start at the beginning with Genesis 1. And we're going to start with God. We're going to focus this evening on, on who God is uh, and what he has done. We're going to look a little bit at, about what it means for us to be in his image, but uh, really the focus is on God as he is. So let's hear what God has to say about himself. If you have Genesis still open, uh, it's obviously right at the beginning, page 3 and page 4. And the first thing that God tells us about himself is that in creating, he was utterly free to create. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was no one else around to force God or coerce him into creating. He freely chose to do it. Now, if you uh, look at other creation accounts from the time, um, which Wikipedia happily furnished me with information on, uh, something like the Babylonian account, you have a bunch of gods fighting for supremacy, trying to prove that they are the number one god. Uh, and actually, in the, in the Babylonian account, apparently the, the earth and the sky are created from the torn apart body of the god who lost, which is nice. It is, is God like that? This is completely different, you see. God, God is free to create. He's not in a battle for supremacy. He wasn't forced into doing it. He chose to. He wasn't in need of slaves to do his work. He was delighted as he was. He wasn't in need of of friends to overcome some loneliness that he had uh, and just realize that actually he'd really like to have someone else there with him. God was utterly free to create. He creates not because he has to, but because he wants to. The world is not created out of conflict, but out of pleasure. And we see God's pleasure at every stage of this passage. Again and again, God looks and sees it's good. It's good. It's very good. Now, this isn't the kind of standing back and looking of of me when I've done a bit of DIY and I wonder how it's gone and I look and I, oh, thank goodness, it's good. No, this this is the the work of a master craftsman who's just standing back just to enjoy what he's done. He, he knows, he knows he's good, he knows it's good, and he looks back and just enjoys, yes, that is good. This is so far from being the, the desperate conflict of the Babylonians. This is a, an overflow of joy and pleasure in free creating. And When we look at Genesis 1 with the eyes that the New Testament gives us, uh, we see that that this pleasure in creation just comes out of who God is. It comes out of the fellowship that God as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have enjoyed from all eternity. Uh, God's creation of everything is an overflow of an internal joy and delight and a desire to share and spread that joy and delight with others. In God's freedom to create, we also see here his utter supremacy in creation. Again, the the, the Babylonian gods, Marduk apparently is the the one who won the battle, Uh, and he was just in that group of other gods, he, he was like them basically until he proved his supremacy. But here God doesn't have to prove his supremacy. 
It's not the supremacy of a, a boxer who at every moment is worried about the next challenger that might come along. No, it, he, God is supreme because he is utterly unlike anything else that exists. When he creates the sun and the moon in verses 14 to 19, did you notice he doesn't call them sun and moon? He calls them the, the greater light and the lesser light. Why is that? Well, the other nations around at the time worshipped the sun and the moon. They thought they were gods. And here we hate, well, no, actually, actually God just made them. And, and he's so supreme over them, he doesn't even need to call them by their proper god names. And then, almost as an afterthought, he also made the stars. He also made the stars. Just thrown in there. God's supremacy over all things is shown in creation, not in domination. It's a, it's a supremacy that, that actually enables peace. You see, think, think uh, of being a Babylonian in the desert, um, and you hear your creation story about Marduk and the other gods, and you hear that he has won the fight, he's ripped the other god in half, and here we are. What? What if someone else comes along and challenges him? What what if there's another massive cosmic battle between the gods again? What what might the effects of that be on us? That's a pretty worrying and scary thought. It, it, It makes you lead a slightly twitchy life, throwing your weight in probably with with Marduk just to hope that you know no one else gets in on the act and tries to challenge him. But here we see that the true God, he, he has no rival. There's, there's no one to challenge him. And so supreme over his creation is he that, that at the end of it, after everything he's made, he rests. Not because he's worn out, but because the work is done. He's finished. You can only have true rest with the true God. So God is supreme, he's, he's joyful in creation, he's free, and he creates with a purpose. You see, the, the, the six days here show God's care in creating the world. He, he forms it, and then he fills it. The first three days, he, he creates light, he separates day and night, he creates the sky and the seas, he creates dry land, creates the vegetation. He, he forms a space in which to live. And then, after that, he fills those places. He fills the sky with birds. He fills the water with fish. He fills the land with animals and finally with humans. This isn't the kind of random occurrence of, oh, stuff just happened. No, this is the careful creation of a good God. And finally, we see God is incredibly generous in his creation. My dad uh, and my wife were having a conversation um, about interior decorating, as you do, and my dad said that he would be very happy just, you know, to paint every wall in the world magnolia. You know, just get it done, it's finished, fixed job, thank you very much. Now, if you know my wife, uh, that was the wrong thing to say. In, In fact, um, fairly boldly, she turned to him and said, I couldn't disagree with you more. And I think my dad was a bit shocked. Um, 
God is, God is not a paint-every-wall-magnolia kind of creator. He's not a minimalist, just content with, you know, one, just get it done and that's enough. No, he, he fills the world. The waters teem with fish. The land is uh, abundant with, with all sorts of plants and flowers and trees and animals. And, and then, having created them, he then blesses them. He blesses them. And then... He he creates humans and he says, look after this, have it, it's yours. Fill the earth and subdue it. Far from making miserable slaves to, you know, take the load off him because he's getting a little bit tired now. No, God creates humans as the pinnacle to enjoy what he has already made for them. Far from kind of holding the best for himself, God creates the best to share with us. That's the God who exists. That's the the God of the universe. A generous and joyful and free and powerful God who's purposefully created light and order and fullness where previously there was just darkness, chaos, and emptiness. And he shares the purpose with us. He gives us purpose. Be fruitful and multiply, he says. Verse 28. Fill the earth and subdue it. Right from the beginning, he plans and purposes to have the whole world filled with people in his image. So what does that mean for us? Well, let's look a little now at verse 27, what it means to be made in God's image. God says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I'm not going to say everything there is to say about being made in God's image because uh, that would take far too long and I don't know it all. But when God created people in his image, he created two people, two different people. And so humans aren't just meant to bear the image of God. They're meant to behold the image of God. So when the man looks at the woman, he sees something of the image of God. When the woman looks back at him, she sees something of the image of God. They're meant to both proclaim and also enjoy the image of God in each other. And when, again, when we read the Old Testament, uh, sorry, the New Testament, this is, this is because God himself both bears and beholds his own image. Uh, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is the image of the invisible God. Uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit from all eternity have been, have been seeing and, and reflecting to each other God's image. And that is the source of, of God's joy and delight. Uh, in Proverbs 8, talking about creation, uh, wisdom there says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in God's presence. And so for us, as we are made in God's image, to, to, to have that image in us, but also to see it in each other, is the source of all joy. We're created to look like God and to look at God. Now we'll, we'll come to Genesis 3 and, and the image uh, as we've already 
heard tonight in our confession is, is to face the image is not, not as it was. But Jesus Christ, as the image of the invisible God, has, has come so that we can again see the perfection of the image of God. As we see it in him, we ourselves are remade in that image. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our joy comes because we're made in God's image. We see it and we bear it. But being made in God's image isn't, isn't just for us to feel joy. It's not, it's not a kind of passive joy that we get. It's the joy which leads God to create. The overflow of his joy causes him to create. And so in us, as we see God's image in him, as we see it in each other, principally as we see it in Jesus Christ, the joy of God is to well up in us and to overflow as God says in verse 28, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. You see, God brings fullness and order into emptiness and chaos. And then he says to us, carry on. Bring fullness and order. So just a couple of applications as we draw to a close. We need to know God. We need to see God. We need to, to look at him as he truly is. And again, post-Genesis 3, our, our image of God is twisted. And so it needs to be renewed. But we need to see him in his freedom, in his joy, in his generosity, in his supremacy. Uh, particularly as Christians, we look at Jesus. L- look at the work he does. He brings fullness the feeding of the 5,000, for example. Uh, He brings light. He he opens blind eyes, both physically and spiritually. He brings order, calming the storm on Galilee. But then we look at him also on the cross, where then he submits himself to chaos and darkness and emptiness, utter, utter aloneness, so that those are finally overcome. It's in Jesus that we see the beauty and the glory of God. We see joy and generosity. We see God doing the work of creation all over again, in a sense. So we need to look at God. We need to know the image of God that we ourselves have been made to be like. But then our joy in beholding God and seeing him is to overflow in spreading his image throughout the world. We still have the work of bringing order and fullness and light into being. Now, what does that look like? Well, for me, in my three days a week admin work, it looks like doing admin, creating order out of chaos so that other people can do their work. Maybe some of you don't have very good administrators. I don't know. You're all laughing. It's true. No, that's, but, but we image something of God in that. When we were doing this in our refresh group, actually four of us were administrators. We all got very excited at finding out that God was an administrator as well. 
But it may look different for you. Maybe, maybe it looks like visiting someone that you know is, is on their own. Maybe just this week uh, they're on their own. Uh, maybe they're all on their own all the time. They need someone to come to fill that emptiness that they have. Maybe bringing order out of chaos is giving money to relief efforts in Nepal. Maybe bringing light into darkness is sharing the good news of a joyful, generous God with a friend who doesn't know him. We're going to have an opportunity actually now, uh, once I finish, just to, to talk to each other, just to think through what, what that means for us. What does it mean for us this week? Just one thing, maybe, to bring fullness and light and order. Those things begin with the God who joyfully and purposefully and generously makes all things and makes us in his, in his image and calls us to fill the earth with that joyful, generous image. Amen.